I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode, always exciting, of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy Quilden, as always, joined by Andy Boy Simmons. How are you doing, Andy? Uh, I'm doing fine, thanks, Andy. Um, we are episode 10. That's a, that's a big, that's a landmark, isn't that's it? it? Double Re- digits, yeah. WrestleMania 10, Which WrestleMania X, episode X. Yeah, an anniversary, uh, an anniversary party, if ever was one, I'm sure we will have... Later today at wrestling training, so yeah, it's uh, I'm doing all right. Are you okay? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. 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 Busy weekend. Uh, yeah. It was quite busy. Yeah. We had the 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 women's wrestling tournament, Revolution Pro Wrestling. It was live at the cockpit, twenty four and twenty five. That's like crazy to think that we've done our twenty fourth and twenty fifth shows at that building um, already. Um, Wonderful venue for wrestling, the most intimate venue I say in the in the UK for professional wrestling, and uh, perhaps most unique viewing experience because you're on top of the action wherever you sit. Um, so it's completely in the round for anyone who doesn't know, and it's on tiered seating. But there's only three or four rows back each side. Capacity is 200 people, and they were sold out for two nights of uh, of action packed pro wrestling at its best. And if you want to see those, you can watch them on rpwondemand.com. Um, but that's a that's a good cheap plug to start the show. Uh, yeah, very nicely done, very smooth. So, um, obviously, Ginny uh, ended up being the winner, and that was my pick from day one. Well done, mate. It was Ginny. Shame you didn't put any money, uh, no, no, yeah. money down on that one, that because that could have... Uh, any, book, any, uh, any bets, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that could have been good, wouldn't it? Imagine that, if, uh, cool, if they would take bets on Revolution Pro Wrestling. They take bets on WWE, or at least they used to. Yeah, they do, they still do. I don't know if it's Ladbrook specifically, but I know like Paddy Power does, and yeah. a few of the others do. Um, I remember once you actually, I'm sure it was you, but I could be wrong, so I might be accusing you unnecessarily, but there was a, it was a WrestleMania where Jerry Lawler fought uh, oh, Michael yes. Cole, yes, and I, I put some bets on the show, and I wound up only winning a couple of quid on the show, but I said to you, 100% Michael Cole is beating Jerry Lawler, right? Yes, I do remember, yeah. And you're like this... I don't know what type of world you live in. I said, this is their first one. Michael Cole's definitely going to win. And you're like, all like, no, there's no way it's happening. You're just going to waste your money, blah, blah, blah. And Jerry Lawler was a clear favourite because obviously everyone had your same mentality towards professional wrestling. And um, and the, the feel-good story of WrestleMania. And I was like, you know, this is whatever year it is now. Times have changed, kids. What was it, 2009, 2008? 2011. Was it 2011, was yeah. it? Wow. 2011. That was a dark year for me, so uh, I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, we get into that. that. That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? I like when uh, Bruce Pritchard's wrestling podcast, they do like, like the, you know, like nine, Hulk Hogan, 1991. Oh, Maybe right. we can do Andy Boy Simmons 2011 and we can delve into your, <laughs> oh. your psyche um, and dredge up some of the past. But anyway, you were absolutely convinced that Jerry Lawler was going to win this match and you were so convinced you almost physically threatened me to change my bet at the last minute and I did and then uh, for anyone who can't remember the finish Jerry Lawler actually won right So, which you were like arms in the air See, told you told you told you and then obviously they did the deal where the referee reversed the decision and Michael <laughs> Cole wound up winning the match so because Michael Cole wound up winning the match that was the official call that's how they do it on the betting how much books. would you have won like about 30 quid. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I've more than It's quite substantial. Up, yeah. He would have paid for the Domino's pizza. Mm. That's for sure. 
That was good WrestleMania as well, because we had, do you remember we had like an ironing board full of snacks, because... We stayed at, we went to our friend Luke's house. It was Big our shout house out. combined. Oh yeah, you lived there together, yeah. of course you did, yeah. And we had an ironing board full of snacks. And Dan the Hammerhead was there with his, with his non-wrestling <laughs> friend. <laughs> well, he was his wrestling friend, you say well, he non-wrestling, he, wrestling, he just wasn't in the business, was yeah, he? Yeah, didn't yeah. Know. And what was he uh, was and with, he was, he was uh, flabbergasted, probably a better word, that uh, Edge and Christian dared to destroy Alberto Del Rio's Bentley he couldn't believe it, could he? He's no. lost so much, and he's had his car destroyed. Yeah, like, That's going to cost him a fortune for <laughs> a uh, Part of it, was, I like it. You know, it made me laugh, obviously. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> deviating again. But, um, we yeah, so, I don't know, how did we get onto that topic? I like to understand the, the, the mind map, um, how we got from A to B to Z. Not a clue. Z-Man, uh, Tom Zenk. We, uh... We talked about Ginny winning. Oh, bets! And oh, you said, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. So there's, you can see some logic. Some, some. I don't yeah, know. our paths are always yeah. very clear. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was a great, great tournament. Um, it wasn't without its stresses though. And many times, I think you'll find as a as a wrestling promoter, I don't recommend it to anyone. One of our young lads. Have you seen on Facebook, Andy? One of our young lads. His, his name's actually Matt Jackson. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. Um, I've seen he's, he's started... Started his own... It literally boggles my mind. Uh, people who want to... I've touched upon this briefly on, I think, our friend Crusher's podcast, but how difficult it is to make a wrestling show successful. And we've had some hits, um, and we've had some massive misses. And, and all I'll say as well is, look at a promotion, for example, like, um, like Lucha Forever... Um, which were putting out a great product, great wrestlers. Um, the houses were always busy, um, and the perceived the perception was success, success, success. But the reality of the situation was to get that higher caliber, that higher high level of product, uh, it comes at a cost. And if you're making less money than you're taking in, it's not a sustainable business. And I'll let you into a little secret here: the only way that Revolution Pro Wrestling is able to be so successful was because we walked before we could run. I know that seems like a like a, a very logical thing to say, but like despite the fact that I obviously have always made my intentions clear about putting on the highest caliber of stuff and not sparing expenses, um, you know we've kind of really built something up where there's a there's an infrastructure there. So not only do we sell tickets to shows, we have our on demand service, we have our DVD sales, we've got successful merchandise business, um, you know, and, and strands are getting added to that on a, on a consistent basis as we continue to grow. And um, and we only spend money when we've got money. And instead of hiring stuff, we purchase stuff. Um, and eventually, when we have the money to do so, and that's how it's able to t- we're able to turn it into a success. Um, I feel like it's, it's, as you say, Andy, like it's crazy to think how many people just jump on that. Uh, like, you know, I'm going to become a wrestling promoter. So, like, it, I, it took me being seven years, I was around wrestling on a, pretty high standard in this country. It took me seven years to pluck up the courage to run my first show. Do you know what I mean? I learned um, how people's success and I learned through people's failures of shows um, and then I finally plucked up the courage. This lad, good luck to him. Like, Good luck to you, Matt. But, if you need any advice, <laughs> I suggest you come call him because I think you might need it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a hard one, isn't it? And it's, uh, um, yeah. But anyway, as I was saying, like we've gone off on this uh, again, another tangent, but um, yeah, very hard to make money running professional wrestling shows, and very hard to put on a high quality of shows, and you know to make sure that you have everything in place, such as you know your insurance, your risk assessments, and and you know all all stuff like that. So um, it's uh, I think it's a lot deeper than um, 
than a lot of people think. Oh, I can't imagine the um, amount of wrestling shows that are run in this country without public liability. What did Jim Cornette call me once? An outlaw show. Yeah, but funny enough, I was talking about this with someone the other day. He did actually apologise. Yeah, he for did. That. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He did. I wasn't gonna. No. I was, was going to say like I was then going to go on to say I'm probably one of a few people that he has apologised to because. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but but yeah. So there you go. Um, so running wrestling shows is stressful, very stressful. As was um, evidence this weekend. As was evidence this weekend when um, we get to uh, Friday. Would it be? It would be Friday, the day before the show. So we, the shows were Saturday, Sunday. Um, get a message to say uh, that uh, Britt Baker, uh, one of the girls who's coming in from America for the tournament. It's one of the things I wanted to do with this tournament. Obviously, we've discussed women's wrestling. Um, in a, a little bit of detail in one of the earlier episodes um, and, and one of my key aims for this tournament was to bring wrestlers from around the world um, in to compete for this championship had a bit of prestige for the championship have some girls that you don't normally see on these all girls shows um, and try and uh, just try and present something a little bit different the same way we do for our male uh, shows um, and, and that's what I've always been strong about trying to present something that you can't see anywhere else and always trying to present the best quality um, and we'd identified Britt Baker as, um, as as one of the top up coming females in the US and um, and, and she was uh, set to come over um, along with uh, Diana Peruzzo who uh, was able to to get there made her flight <laughs> so um, we got word that there was her flight had been cancelled her flight from uh, Atlanta flying into Boston had been cancelled the, uh, the flight from Boston to England was a, that was a connection going into England um, so as a result, um, there was a, a long layover actually. So there was still hope that she could get to Boston, but then we learned that because of a storm, uh, I think it was Hur Hurricane Grayson or Storm Grayson, something like that. Um, because of that, there were a lot of flights getting cancelled going into Boston. Um, but because there was enough time and because of the way, I'm sure you you may be familiar with airlines. Um, I don't know if you are. But, I book uh, all my travel through the Disney company, so uh. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing to worry about there. Um, but like, uh, you know, like uh, if, if there is a cancellation, the airline will do whatever they can to get you on an alternative flight to get to your destination. So, um, with that in mind, the airline had told us that there'd be two to three hours uh, in two to three hours' time. They'd be able to kind of give us a, an alternative flight. So to sit tight, basically, which I appreciate for anyone's money. No one wants to be stuck at an airport not knowing what you're going to do. Um, but a lot of wrestlers will have had this experience in their careers um, where they're, you know, where, where this has happened to them. And it's just a case of rising it out and there will be an alternative provided eventually. Um, and I had my eye on at the end of the day, towards the end of the day, there were direct flights coming from Atlanta to... Um, am I boring you, Andy? No. I just heard a, a big sigh there. No, no, I was just breathing. A big sigh. Um, <laughs> so, I had, so I had a, a flight booked from... I, I had my eye on some flights, uh, which were going from uh, Atlanta to London direct at the end of the day, and I just assumed that's what, what she'd kind of wind up getting put on. Everything would be okay. Um, and she was, um, she was going through uh, the help, as we call her, my assistant... <laughs> Oh yes, yeah. Um, You're and, right, uh, woman. Uh, and uh, they were talking to each other, so I was just like, "Just tell her not to worry about it. It will be fine. Like, let's, let's sort it out, right?" In the meantime, um, Britt Baker had a panic and booked herself on a flight to Orlando, 
which is the absolute worst thing you can do in that situation, given that the the alternative transport, (laughs) which is being arranged, is from Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Right? So the second that you get on that, the second you book that flight to Orlando and... Uh, and she checked her bags in, and it wasn't until the assistant said to me, um, "Yeah, she's checked her bags." I was like, "What on earth is going? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, she's not going to get here because now what's going to happen is if they find alternative uh, transport, which they will, it's going to be from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Now you've booked yourself on a flight to Orlando. If we get you a flight from Orlando, I looked up flights from Orlando. They're about three grand, and I think the majority of them, like there's, there's one specifically, was the cheapest one, which I think was two thousand pounds, was going through Boston, which we knew was a risk. Um, so there was literally no option to but to to cancel her from the, the shows because the you know like once you once you take yourself off out of Atlanta, there's no way we can get you to London because the airline's not going to come up with alternative transport from you from a different airport. So. Um, so yeah, so that was a, a that was bit of a kick in the teeth, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's just especially because it could have been avoided, given the fact that if she just stayed tight, you know, she would have made it to the show on time. Um, I but, wonder where those flights did get get off the ground. Well, did you find? Well, out? no, like there was the flights. There were flights from Atlanta to London, and there were also flights which were direct, which got off the ground. There were also flights which were direct from, um, which which had connections from Atlanta to London, which were going via different airports. Um, so that's why there was many different options. Um, but obviously, the airline has to work out what flights have availability. But I was super confident she'd be fine because there were so many different options coming from Atlanta to London. Um, but now the issue remains, are they going to give us a refund? Because obviously... It's all about the time that we're not going to find out for 30 days whether we get a refund. And uh, the flight was expensive. Um, and uh, it's it's all down to the terms and conditions of the airlines because technically alternative transportation could have been offered. So, you know, we're we're going to have to wait 30 days to find out about that one. Right. Oh, that but that's is just, tragic. But yeah. again, that's one of the kicks, you know, that's one of the hits you kind of take and like... You just can't foretell these things ahead of time. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, again, because we've got something which is sustainable in terms of the promotion, um, <clears throat> we can almost take that hit and live to fight another day. Obviously, it's not nice to have to do, but if that, you know, it's not going to be the end of us as a as a result, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so, totally, yeah. yeah. Well, it's never nice losing money on anything, is it? So, no, especially no. Not, not especially a especially large amount of money. And, uh, and, and, and again, money. well, that's a, that's a big amount of money, isn't it? It's when, it's when your divvy trainees drive a van through a congestion charge zone and forget to tell you about Twice it. Twice in two weeks, I think. <laughs> and Twice then, uh, in two or three yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah, so. well, they forget to pay, um, what did they forget to pay? They forgot to pay the dart charge one time yeah. as well. But I we think, got away with that one, didn't we? Because it was a first-time offence. Yeah, first-time offence. But, but we'll like, wait for the next time. wait for the next time, yeah. Just... Just let us know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd r- just do it, much rather, just do it, and we'll much, give you the £2.50. Yeah, much rather pay £2.50 than a 70 quid fine. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so yeah, so like hidden costs with running shows all the time. Um, and, uh, and and with that in mind, that kind of leads us to our topic for today. Yes. We're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about no-shows in, in, in wrestling. Um, and we're going to start by talking about some no-shows that we had um, as, as fans, maybe, and then some no-shows that happened to us when we were... Um, 
within within the business. Oh, it's just occurred to me. I've got a great story, which has literally popped into my head of the first ever British wrestling show I went to when I was about seven or eight. Okay. So, we'll share that one. So, but you go first. So, so yeah. So, we're going to go from as fans to in the business and then um, and then to where there's more understanding of the situation where I was promoting the show and guys haven't been able to make it to the shows. And it's always an awkward situation when it happens. And, and I just want to make it clear, we're not here to bury people who haven't been able to make it to shows. We're just here to tell you the story, tell you what was going through people's minds. Um, and on the ones where I or myself or Andy weren't directly involved with, um, we, we, will, uh, we will speculate and well, we'll we won't re- be... We will relay the information that was relayed to us yeah, as absolutely. to why this has happened. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think the first one I'm going to talk about is one which was, uh, I guess, personal to me. Um, so obviously I've made it clear that I used to go to British wrestling shows all the time. Now, the first British wrestling show I went to actually had the Bushwhackers on, right? Um, and is and, that why uh, you went? Because you were like, I've got to see the Bushwhackers? Or you no, just... I just went because it was wrestling. Like, I was just such a huge fan. I'm sure that's why a lot of people went. But I actually just went because I was just a huge wrestling fan. And the Bushwhackers were kind of the icing on the cake. Okay. I've got that picture as well. I put that picture of the Bushwhackers up on Twitter if I can if I can hunt it down. Um, and then that was great for me. Um, and I still remember, like, Bushwhackers, Bushwhackers. That doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, like, that's why they did it. Yeah. Bushwhackers. I never had a voice. Okay. Well, I'm just jealous I wasn't whatever. there and I didn't see him. And uh, I'll put a picture up on. Uh, I like to say I'll put that picture up on uh, the old Twitter and make you even more jealous. Yeah, yeah. Make some big stars. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we then had um, a number of other British wrestling shows that I went to, and then um, and then it got really exciting because then there was a tour coming up which had the Bushwhackers and Honky Tonk Man on the show. Um, and I was very excited about that because I'd seen the Bushwhackers this time and I knew that was to expect. And what was really funny as well is the first, so the first show I went to with the Bushwhackers on, um, that was brilliant. And then we went to, and it was, it was, a, I, I don't want to say it's probably a higher quality show than the second show I went to. The second show I went to, they actually had the Bushwhackers poster, right? And I swear it was different promoters as well, but I guess that was probably, um, that may have just been a, money-saving thing within the day. So yeah, like, they might well have so, be, sort of worked together. So, yeah, they, and I think I want to say one may have been Scott Conway, one may have been Steve, Steve Barker. Yeah. Um, one may have also been... I don't know if one was Brian Dixon. I, I, don't think, know, I mean, I don't like, know for sure, but I think, I think initially when the idea came that they'd start using all these names, they would literally... You know, they do three weeks for Brian, three, you know, or yeah, however just, the dates were scheduled, it, I guess it's yeah, just the, the modern day equivalent of when an independent talent comes in to this, to like nowadays, you know, they do one day with uh, Revolution Pro, they do one day with OTT in Ireland, you know, yeah. um, if they're lucky, otherwise they'll be doing the, the rubbish shows. So anyway, they, the, the second show, I, yeah, the second show I went to, it had that Bushwhackers poster. It literally had a piece of white A4 paper just over the top of the picture of the Bushwhackers. So, like, if okay, you can imagine so, this... So, 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 so imagine a poster promoting the show. Yeah, poster promoting the okay, show, right. yeah. But imagine this poster. So, the, this poster is, like, a... It's literally the exact same poster, right? But they had, like, a a, a piece of paper over the top of the, the date section, which the original one may well have had. It may have just been, you know... Posters were a lot were a lot more expensive to print in the back in the day than they they are now. It's a lot lot cheaper process. Um, so a lot of the posters you used to see used to have like a square in where you'd put your own date information. Um, so I imagine they just send the venue x amount of posters. They'd put their date, you know, 
on a piece of paper in there and their venue information and box office number. Um, so it's just like that. But you literally had the Bushwhackers poster with just just a white piece of paper, nothing on the paper, just a white piece of paper over the top. So it'd say like wrestling and then you'd have like the square with the bushwhackers with a white piece of paper on it and then you'd have like little pictures underneath or on the sides or whatever so it'd be like the whole centerpiece of the poster was taken out by a and that was somehow deemed acceptable (laughs) so uh so yeah that was uh that was interesting anyway so this uh, a few shows later and this was another venue so like i think the aim was um we went to a few at the empire theater in south end the first one went to was cliffs pavilion and a few at the empire theater um which was the stage shows where with a rickety ring and uh yeah weird shows um and then they had some at the South End Tennis and Leisure Centre, which is where the Jake Roberts revival show was a few, few years later, where Jake Roberts had Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Honky Tonk Man. Um, and, uh, and anyway, this was uh, sometime before then, sometime after the first shows, there was a show with Honky Tonk Man and Bushwhackers advertised. So I was quite excited about that. Um, we and and I think this was in the early days of the internet as well because I seem to remember it was reported on the internet um, and it was it definitely was reported on the internet um, in the old 56k dial-up internet that you could only use from 6 p.m. because that's when it was free but it engaged the phone line so you would get shouted at for being on the internet for too long um, and uh, and the honky tonk man and the bushwhackers weren't there neither of them none of them were there none of them were there no. and why is that um, so. Uh, oh, I do, but I'll tell you who was there, though. I, we'll get to it in a second, but I'll tell you who was there. Do you want to know? Go on. Just act captivated. Uh, no, I you, am. You know, no, I am. You're just like, you're somewhere else today. It's well, like, no, I'm distracted by the fact I'm waiting for my dinner to cook. Wow. Um, you see, this is hard, because like I feel like I'm talking to myself. There's no, you know... Johnny Storm. The normal, the normal chemistry. Not Johnny Storm. He may well have been there, but who was there was the Legend of Doom. Ah, oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Portrayed by... I know this one. Gone. This one was portrayed by Rowdy Ricky Knight. Yes, he kind of he sort of did Animal, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did Animal. Yeah, yeah. And I remember shouting some like "You're fake, brah." Yeah. Him. And I remember him getting in my ear. He was like, "Shut up!" So, so, so you arrived at the show. There was a notice. Was there that? Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, and they were made out to be the villains, uh, Honky Tonk Man and, and Bushwhackers. And and if I remember correctly, this is so. Uh, first of all, what I want to say is like I knew. So when I got there, like I knew they weren't going to be there. I was disappointed they weren't going to be there. But I went for wrestling, and as I recall, it was actually a good show. So it did like it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? And, they, and they, they, I think they offered everyone refunds who, um, you know, who who didn't want to to stay but it's almost like a bit of a cheeky tactic isn't it saying like you can have a refund if you don't like if you like so if you're already there if you've traveled all the way there and if you say like oh if you want a refund go to the front door to get a refund the kids are there ready to watch the rest do you know what i mean yeah like you're not gonna ask for a refund so it's a good little it's a good little ploy which i've never understood why promoters don't offer refunds but as we get to later i always offer refunds in advance if people can't come who are like the key focal point of a show anyway um they were painted out to be the villains because they had been signed up. And again, I don't know the, the full story of this. I just know what we were told. And I remember at the time thinking, yeah, those guys, who do they think they are? But now I'm a bit older. I kind of, I do sympathize with them a little bit more. So um, they had been brought in for a tour. They had a guarantee for the tour. Evidently, the first time the Bushwhackers came around, they drew houses. Um, and this time they started their tour and the houses weren't, 
anywhere near what they were the first time round, um, and the promoters were all disappointed that they weren't drawing the houses. And obviously, they'd been given guarantees, as happens in wrestling, um, for per show. Um, and the promoters realised that this just wasn't financially sustainable, as we touched on at the start of the show. It's very hard to make money in wrestling. Um, so the promoters, I think they tried to take their money down per show, take their guarantees down, um, which led to them getting in an argument with the promoters. And that's when they went home. And it was kind of sold as, you know, they weren't worth the money they were asking for, blah, blah, blah. But I look at it now and I'm like, you kind of agreed that money with them in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So yeah. yeah I like, think probably long term, you know, maybe if you, if the shoe was on the foot that you'd committed, you know, long term, you sit there going, well, we're getting, we, you know, first time around we had houses of a thousand. Now we're getting draws, uh, houses of 200, 300. And you're like, oh God, I've got 30 dates with these guys. Yeah, well, Maybe we can kind of meet in the middle. Meet in the middle, yeah. Well, you, you, that's I mean, no, a, we, we don't know what the negotiations but that's are. A, yeah, and that's, a, that's actually, a, <laughs> that's actually a, um, a good point in terms of, you know, you maybe that could be a, a solution and maybe that's what they tried to do. But, but you know, you can understand. And, and, and long term, it would be better for those guys to, to work 30 dates or however many dates it was when they're, you know, they're not getting work in the States and, uh, and take that pay cut because you'll make at least you'll make something rather than nothing. But at the same time, if you accept a guarantee and then the guarantee gets, you know, if I say to you now, I'm going to give you £10 for this job and halfway through, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to, you know, this isn't really working out, this podcasting business. So, you know, I'm going to pay you a fiver instead of a tenner. You wouldn't be best pleased with it, well, would you? no, of course not. No. So, no. Um, and, I, and I always say that's almost like the promoter's prerogative, isn't it? Like in terms of what I always say is um, the promoter takes the risks, the promoter should take the most money back. You know, so wrestlers who moan about wage who agree a wage with people and then they see the crowds are bigger um you know and then try to to hold the promoter up for more money that's what i think is is wrong because the promoter if, if there was zero people here the promoter will still pay you sure or a good promoter will do you yeah. know what i mean yeah, yeah. if there's a thousand people here you'll still get the same amount of money you know um and the promoter deserves extra money for taking that risk in the well that's it it's the, the gamble place. every time yeah. isn't it yeah absolutely um so you know like I'm sure if there were if their houses had doubled, the promoters wouldn't be like, oh, pay you double, yeah, pay you double. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's kind of it depends which way you're you're looking at it, and I, you know, like I say, I don't know which how it went or the negotiations at the time, but all I know is that was my first experience of the wrestling no show, and it was actually the first shows. Uh, I was either the first or second show where they'd gone home, so if it was just like a day or two days earlier, I would have got to see the Bushwhackers and Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man. So, Shake rattle and roll. So, but fortunately, I did get to see all of them. Like obviously, I'd already seen the Bushwhackers. Um, I and I did get to see the Honky Tonk Man at that Jake Roberts show. But the Jake Roberts show, it was weird because the Jake Roberts show had so many people at it that you could only really get one picture, like you don't get full one picture. And I think that was the first time because the pictures always used to be five pounds or if it was just British talent, it was three pounds. So, um, but the, the Jake Roberts show was the first one I went to where pictures with the talent was 10 pounds for a Polaroid. Really? Yeah, and that was a lot of money in those days. Yeah, so it is now. Well, it's not now, is it? It's, I charge £15 to have a picture with well, Marty no, Skull. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's £10 is a lot of money to some people. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. It is. But, like, you know, um, so, but, like, the point I'm making... It's a lot of people, actually. Well, the, the point I'm making is there was one person to have a picture yeah. with. Yes. Then you I would have got... You had to uh, choose. But, but I had to choose. Five, though, you could have got at least two. I could have got two, yeah. But, yeah. like, uh, yeah, so it was £10 for everyone, so I literally had to choose whoever I chose, and I don't know who I chose. Oh, really? Um, Brutus Beefcake, but I bet you chose him. I don't know. I, I do, I'll have to look through my, um, my Polaroid collection and see if I can find who I chose, try and work it out. 
Um, maybe I chose Johnny Storm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. So I've got some cracking Polaroids as well. So there you go. We'll but I did get I did get a picture of Jake the Snake at um, at that show. No, no it wouldn't be that show. He in uh, yeah. in no, but he was in. We're now talking about the Jake the Snake show, and I never got pictures with him. But I did get a picture of Jake the Snake in uh, Orlando this year. Oh right, so, oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, just nice to see him healthy. Well, that's good because that ties nice into sort of my story um, about Jake the Snake. But didn't you say you had one as well? Like, oh we're yeah, of course. Get, we're going to get to Jake. So, um, so, so my example is a wrestling fan. So I was seven or eight. We'd just come back from, um, not literally just come back from, but maybe a few months had gone by after going to SummerSlam at Wembley. And, Rubbing it in again. And, yep. Yeah, and WWF was obviously all the rage at school. So there was a wrestling show being held at the Midhurst Grange Centre, which I used to go to a car boot sales with my nan. So I was well aware of it. And we were going to go for Toby Hark's birthday. So we went to... Shout out to Toby if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Toby. I've not spoken to you in 20 years. But you never know. So but, Toby... But he speaks to you every week through the medium of his podcast. He listens to me, yeah. Yeah, and you speak to him. So, yeah, I guess yeah. so, yeah. So Toby, in case you're listening, thanks for the party. We went to the Midhurst Grange and um, and all I could... So, so we, we, we realised, like I know a lot of facts about it now, that it was a John Fremantle show. It was uh, Premier Promotions. It was rounds matches so obviously you know five minute rounds so not quite what us as kids were used to seeing on the telly we didn't expect to see you know Hulk Hogan or the Bulldog or anyone but you know it wasn't really quite what we were into so uh, Steve Gray was the first match against um, a man who I now know um, through asking people who I believe to be Sid Cooper Cyanide Sid who is regarded amongst the um, you know the world of sport era wrestlers to be the, one of the greatest villains ever so, uh, Steve Gray versus Sid Cooper. And was he one of the, one of the greatest villains ever on that day? Oh, I was furious with him, I yeah. was. So, uh, so, Steve Gray, Sid Cooper was, was the first match. And I can't remember uh, the specifics, obviously, being eight or nine, seven or eight or nine. <laughs> and um, John Fremantle must have announced, because I know what he's like now, he would have said to the audience, you know, the, the other wrestlers are having travel problems, but they hope to be here soon. So, uh, essentially, Steve Gray versus Sid Cooper had a match, which I swear being a youngster, felt like it lasted an hour. I mean, like, it might have only gone half an hour, maybe. Maybe longer, I can't remember. I have spoken to Steve Gray about it since. And he remembers the night well. And some of the other wrestlers, who are guys like Justin Starr, you know, it's quite of a um, infamous story as to why these other wrestlers didn't arrive. So we both know that Scott Conway is a listener, because I've been in touch with him. And the story I'm told is Scott Conway was supposed to be bringing a car with the other wrestlers. So Steve Gray and Sid Cooper were already there. Maybe they travelled down together and Scott Conway was bringing a car of other wrestlers. There was a discrepancy over the expenses and that's why Scott Conway did not show up with the other wrestlers. So oh, and in that, and, and again, I believe this to be the case, that one of the other wrestlers in the car was Battle Cat from WWF. So, <laughs> I'd have been made up with that, wouldn't I? So, uh, yeah. So that's that. That's how these wow. these wrestlers didn't. They just, you know, the driver or you know whoever's organising the trip. Who again? I was told was Scott. You know, didn't want to come because there was a discrepancy on the expenses. And knowing John Freeman, like I know now, I'm not surprised there was a discrepancy. <laughs> I'm sure, a yeah. Discrepancy on the expenses. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so so that was my first taste of British wrestling, and I did go to another show about 18 months later, but I didn't go again because that summed it up. You know, like, oh, oh, it's okay, I'll go watch WWF once a year. 
Um, instead of typical you, not a proper fan. Well, I would have been a proper fan had things gone better. So, mm. you know, that's not my fault. I was, I was just a young boy. So um, Always been like that. Yeah. Still like that to this day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, nothing I could do about it. But there you go. Same, same thing, which just popped in my head as we were recording this podcast, this story. But what I thought was most interesting about it was... So how many matches were on this show? One. Just what? Yeah, literally, just yeah, one just match one on the match. whole show. Yeah. So I'm guessing again, knowing what I know now, I think four matches probably. I think it would have been three single matches and a, and a six-man tag yeah. is what I think it would have been. Um, and yeah, so Sid Cooper, Steve Gray, shout out to those guys because they put in a hell of an effort. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, so unfortunately, the other guys just didn't turn up, and John offered refunds, which I'm sure broke his heart. <laughs> and then he rescheduled for a later date, which we didn't go to because we were just like, well, this British wrestling, what is this? You know. So sad, really, because you could have had long life, lifelong fan, young fan out of me. But yeah. unlike me, I came every time, and um, I used to buy all the merchandise. I'm going to start putting pictures of the merchandise up as well. Like I saw one program, WAW proper ripped me up, ripped me off one time. Like I got this program. Right, I think the price of the program is like three pounds. It's like literally a few sheets of A4 paper photocopied. Yeah, ridiculous. Well, I'm not surprised. But like we said earlier, print wasn't that inexpensive do you know what I mean like the photocopier wasn't that expensive the photocopier was 2p a sheet 5p a sheet no 2p in those days it was 2p well, maybe in South black Africa and was. white a black and white photocopy 2 pence well, a t- sheet t- t- tell you what you get on the phone to him and you, you take it up with him <laughs> so no I didn't think you owe that. me £3 <laughs> it's alright I shorted him 3 quid on the expenses last time I used it oh, did you? I didn't I did not um, okay, so there you go. That's us. That's our wrestling so fandom as, as, as fandoms. And then, like you say, we've got a story about Jake the Snake Roberts as well, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Moving forward to when we were actually involved with the business. Yeah. So it would have been um, FWA June July two thousand and four. So um, nah. Yeah. I'm sure the show was like New Frontiers. Nah, it was definitely like a June time. Nah, it was New Frontiers. It wasn't. Oh, Carpe Diem, wasn't Carpe it? Carpe Diem. Yeah, it was June, July. Yeah. yeah. You're uh, right. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, apologise again. Um, so, uh, so Carpe Diem, the, the, the match booked was Steve Carino and Jack Xavier against Alex Shane and Hayd Vance. Yeah, and they did a hell of a job of setting up that match at the previous show because this was a Alex Shane Steve Carino storyline, which one of the best things I think they ever did, aside from your Butler run, obviously. obviously. Um, but... Uh, yeah, they, so they did a hell of a job setting setting up to that match because that was going to be the big lead into Alex versus Steve Carino, Steve Carino at Hot Wired. Yes. Yeah. So, Which uh, I wound up refereeing. Oh, did you? Instantly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so I can't remember the specifics as to um, what what the storyline was, but I know there was a sort of a war of words on on fan forums. Obviously, like we say, it's before social media. There was a war of words on fan forums about between you know whether Alex... Alex and Steve Carino were, were, were bickering. So anyway, they got this angle up and running. Oh, that's it was right, like a Steve modern, Carino. It was, it was like an old day Jericho and Omega, wasn't it? it the was way they bit, managed yeah. to get work themselves into that right. storyline. And then obviously Steve Carino turned up unannounced at an at, FWA at, show yeah, at New Frontiers. That's where I was getting confused, yeah. So uh, so, so the match was Steve Carino, and Alec, uh, Steve Carino and Jack Xavier against Alex Shane and Hayde Vanson. So um, again, you know, neither of us were involved in running the show. We were all pretty new. Um, but something happened where Steve Carino wasn't coming. Okay, so uh, I don't know whether it was suggested Alex didn't even book his flight or someone, you know, whoever's in charge of that didn't book his flight or what. But I get a phone call from uh, Alex, I believe, on the morning of the show. And I'd arranged I was going to go in the car with Aviv Mayan, Ian Logan and my friend Tommy Stevens. So uh, I, I, I believe Tommy was refereeing, Aviv was wrestling, obviously. So Jake the Snake Roberts had 
shacked up with a lady not too far from where I'm from. Uh, I think Aldershot way, that kind of direction. So Alex said, listen, we've got a problem with Steve Carino. <coughs> Can you pick up Jake the Snake Roberts on your way through? So I thought, well, I've got four people in the car. And I had met Jake before, not had the best experience with him. But... Well, what am I going to say? No, he can make his own way there. And you couldn't say no to Alex, even if you wanted to, so... Well, no, because he was good at that, wasn't he? So, anyway, so I, obviously I agreed to pick him up. I had a Corsa, it's not a big car either. So, I pull up outside Jake Snake's house, and uh, and I just said to the lads in my car, I said, listen, guys, if he asked us for money, I had no idea, I had no hunch, I, I had a hunch, obviously, but I was just like, listen, guys, if he asked us for money, just say we haven't got any. Okay, so we go upstairs, uh, uh, sorry, we park up, I think Aviv knocks on the door, Jake comes up to the car. First thing he says to me, Andy. What? Have you guys got any money I could borrow? And you said? And I caved instantly. <laughs> I caved absolutely, like instantly, instantaneously. I was like, got my wallet out, gave him 20 quid. He's like, oh, I just need to get some fuel. So, some fuel for your car? Right. So, the, so it became apparent he, he was going to go with his partner. So I didn't uh, even need to go to his house. Actually. So you just I, went into his house to give him a... Uh, to lend him 20 quid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it just occurred to me 13 years later, I didn't even need to go to his house. So anyway, uh, Jake, uh, so, so I give Jake 20 quid. He, he, I assume he thanks me. So uh, we are following Jake now. This is four out of sat nav. So we're following Jake out of town back on Tim 25. And, uh, and all of a sudden he breaks down, <laughs> right? Okay. Of course. Well, he, he breaks down or the car stops, okay? Yeah. So this... This, again, looking back at this as an adult, had a bit more experience in the business. This strikes me as a bit of an old school rib, okay? So, um, my friend Tommy Stevens had decided he would travel with Jake because he knew Jake from a couple of years prior from doing a bit of training with him when he had the wrestling school. Did he pay for that, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's a story. Maybe we'll have Tommy on for our five-minute thing we were talking about earlier and he can tell that story. So you um, can tell everyone uh, about how he was mugged off by Jake Roberts, like he tried to mug off the students of the Portsmouth School of Wrestling with his referee training. <laughs> <course>. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can. So uh, only joking, Tommy. Um, so, uh, so so Tommy was chatting with Jake. All of a sudden, the car breaks down, and Ian, Aviv, and Tommy agree they're going to push the car to a petrol station. That was it. The claim was they'd run out of fuel, so they pushed his car to the petrol station. And I remember Jake the Snake. We must have been side by side. Maybe it's from traffic lights temporarily. And he said to me, you've heard of horse's power. This is horse's ass's power. <laughs> so that's why I kind of think that might be like a little rib. Yeah. You know, he was thinking, oh, these trainees can push me. So we got to the petrol station. They fill up. Five minutes later, we stop. What do we stop at? An off license. Oh. Okay. So um, so so we stop at an off license. His girlfriend gets out. He she comes back with whatever. Do you know, for all I know, she bought a bag of quavers. I don't know, but I can I can verify she didn't. When you get to the point where you get to the building, because I saw him when he arrived. Yeah. So okay. So um. So so I assume we probably didn't follow each other the whole way up to London with London traffic, but we get to the show. Uh, Jake's now there. Okay. So I'm there at this point. So yeah. I'm there setting up the ring. Right. I was part of the ring crew. Okay. I used to do double duty, and like I've been told, if you come along, you're refereeing on the show. Um, blah 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 like so I came along uh, I started off with ring crew so I was always like the first person at the building and always the last person to leave as well like well done but no but the point I'm making is I bet you Alex wouldn't even know that I bet you no one there would even know that no. but I was always the first person there and the last one to leave when I was doing the, the ring right yeah. so because I'd never go until the final piece like these days you see people like oh I've got to oh, go yeah. got to oh, go, go. go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay um 
but I was always wait till the final piece was loaded until I left, and I was always the first person there. So um, was there, um, which is funny because I'm late for everything now. But um, I set up the set up the ring, standing in the ring. The ring. So anyone who doesn't know the old FW ring was like a Meccano set, right? It was the longest ring to put up in the world. It's all nuts and bolts. It was, wasn't yeah, it? and and. Um, so we stood in the ring and like it's just I think we're putting the ropes on because I remember I was distinctly stood in the ring Jake Roberts walked in I didn't even know he was supposed to be on the show because no one got told anything and obviously we just assumed Carino and like no we didn't know because Steve Carino was going to be here at the time Jake was saying Roberts walks in right and I was obviously like oh wow like and uh, he comes in and you know the scene from Beyond the Mat where he's got the gimmick oh, I swore sorry he's got a gimmick over his face you know uh, he's leaving he's leaving the building he's got the light, long coat on he's got some. He, he covers his face. Okay. I know what scene you mean. I don't remember specifically. Oh, scene. wow. And you, you look at you lecturing our students about Beyond the Mat, and you can't even remember this part where he's, he's got the, And he was like that, walking into the building. Okay. Right, because obviously he was trying to kayfabe, but he was, he was there. Right, and as he comes in, he's like, oh, he shakes my hand. He's like, he said to me, do you know what, what my favourite colour of water is? I'm like, no. And he goes, brown. And holds up his, he's got like a water bottle with whiskey in it uh, or something like that. Okay. And instantly I was like, I'm so scared of this man. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so um, so, so obviously I didn't, I, I didn't actually see Jake for the rest of the day, but things were filtering through, you know, while we're kind of just hanging around that Jake has got more and more drunk throughout okay. the day. And can I add my little sub story in? Yeah. So at this point, I was told um, after setting up the ring, being there super early, being super excited about refereeing on this show, I was told... Oh, by the way, we're not going to use you as a referee now. We're going to have you as like a uh, an official. You just be involved in a few little things. You so. would have been the Rene Goulet who uh, did yeah. all the run-ins in Absolutely, the early yeah. 90s. And I, I had two run-ins on the show. I can't remember one of them, but I remember one of them was uh, trying to pull back Sweet Soraya from attacking Nikita. Oh, okay. And that was one of the run-ins. I can't remember what the other one was, but but yeah, that was one of my spots that right. I was granted. Um, so I was devastated by that anyway. Okay, so um, so, so, so words filtering through. Jake's upstairs in his changing room. He's getting more and more drunk. And uh, also, and I think I think this is the order it happened in. Jake has threatened to not work the show if Steve Linsky was on the show. That's correct. And Steve Linsky was also one of the other referees on the show. Yes. And there was deep-rooted heat um, regarding a, wrestling a, ring. a ring that was claimed to own by Jake and Steve Linsky. From that aforementioned tour that I spoke about. Yes, yeah, there was a there was a man in the military again. Maybe we'll have Steve Linsky on as we definitely have Steve we Linsky can, on. We as can we get him to give his side of events, then yes. we could bring Alex Shane on to get his side of events. Yeah. That'd be very interesting, wouldn't it? That would be good, yeah. Um so 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 we there was a man in the military who ran these shows with Jake. So someone claimed to own the ring. Somehow, somewhere, this ring essentially got lost, like a twenty foot ring got probably sold for scrap somewhere. Jake claimed it was his, he was fuming, he thought Steve Linsky was involved. So um so Jake is now threatened to not work the show. And then it just becomes apparent, I think, that the more Jake is drinking, the less capable he's going to be to work the show. But at this point, they then came to me and were like, Andy, uh, Steve Linsky's not going to be refereeing on the show now because Jake doesn't want him to. So um, get changed, you refereeing kid. You've got it. You've and I was it. like, I'm in. I'm back in. Yeah. Back in. So, uh, And that's another prime example why you always take your gear. Absolutely. I mean, well, you say that, well, you but I was actually asked, anyway. I was booked to referee in the first place, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but, but you know, if you weren't there, someone else would have been asked yeah, to referee, and absolutely. they should have had their gear, yeah. so, yeah, my point stands. So, um, so it becomes apparent, uh, Jake Snake's too drunk to wrestle, and they leave it at that. And then, time's ticking on, and 
of course, not to go from a you know former WF superstar to a bit part player on the British scene, but then they realise uh, Steve Carino's original partner, Jack Xavier, for those who remember him, he was a part of the Brummy movement at the time, he wasn't there either. And, and, and he was a big part part of the, the storyline, and he was another big part of Alex's story because Alex was feuding with everyone. Um, and uh, and he was like there. Uh, he would be akin to someone, I'm trying to think of it like the modern day British wrestling. He'd be like a, like not style, but in terms of like, you know, people see this guy as the future, you know, um, someone like a Travis Banks, you know, would you say that's fair? Yeah, I guess you know? so, yeah. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like if social media was around then, he would have been just as big as some of the guys on there now. Yeah. Very talented for a bigger guy. Never had wrestling gear. Never understood that. Wore funny kick pads and never yeah, had lots wrestling of people, gear. Lots of people didn't when you look back at it in hindsight. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, so anyway, but Tanner Guy, anyway, somehow they get hold of him and he's in Ibiza because no one has booked him. You know, the assumption hey, is... Hey, you read it on the internet. You read it on the internet and you'll just take, oh, okay, I'm on that show, but Jack Xavier's actually on holiday. I don't know whether they, uh, that, that was announced as to why he wasn't there. So the match ended up being... The man now known as RJ Singh. Yeah, replacing Jack Xavier. And and then it was Paul Travell. Was it Paul Travell? Yeah. Is that what Cage Match says? I can't remember what it was. I, I, first time ever I've... So, so I think... So so the point you've missed, Andy, is that... then So Jack Xavier, they've worked out that Jack Xavier's not there. And, um, and I think, yeah, it was Paul Travell. So I think they got Paul Travell first. Because Paul Travell was probably supposed to be in a different match. I'm going to guess, um, on the show. I'm just looking through the show now. Um, the only thing I can guess is the Mark Sloan and Eve Mayan match may have changed because uh, I know Mark Sloan and Eve Mayan wrestled each other on the first show there. Oh, possibly, yeah. Um, but anyway, Paul Travell, who may have been scheduled for a running because he was also feuding with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so he may have just been there for a running. Who Everyone's knows? Everyone's got the Alex rub. Um, so yeah, so Paul Travell was... a. Uh, there and Ross Jordan was there, so Jake the Snake Roberts wasn't in that match. Why? Why is that? Because he was too drunk. They sent him home. Yeah, they they chose. So they essentially chose the referee Steve Linsky over Jake Roberts. Well, I guess to a certain degree they certainly did. Yeah, because they knew there was no way they could send Jake out in the in the state he was in. And again, I didn't see the state Jake was in, but I know I, I know a few people that did. And he was uh, he was very very messy. Hey, and do you know what happened when Jake Roberts got sent home? What's that? Steve Linsky was allowed to referee. Do you know who wasn't? And you weren't. <laughs> you were off the show. That, that happened. And to top it <laughs> off, to top it off, as I said, I was the first person there, last person out. Um, packed away the ring, got the train home. Was going back to Southend. It was from Brent Town Hall, which is in Wembley, right? That's right. Got yeah. as far as Stratford. Got to Stratford. Missed my last train. <laughs> back to Southend. Unlucky. So what did you do? I had to, as a young man, I was probably like 17, mm. maybe. Maybe 17? I don't know. When were you born? Oh, fuck. Eight, 86. Yeah, 17. Walking around the streets. 17, 18, yeah. Yeah, walking around the streets. Oh, maybe I was, I was 18, yeah. Walking around the streets, looking for... Uh, you could have gone clubbing in London. I could have done, couldn't I? That yeah. killed some time. Um, and I remember I had this big bag as well, with all my refereeing gear in that I didn't need. Um <laughs> Uh, and I had to find a mini cab office, and the mini cab office. I then had to barter with the man to use the sixty pounds I had in my pocket. I think like some of which for doing the uh, ring crew, and then obviously some of which for my own money. 
because obviously I lost out on my refereeing money because I wasn't refereeing. But what was good gig about FWA is I got paid to do the ring crew and paid to referee, so I was on an all right little. Uh, that was probably all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was all right. Being eighteen, yeah. And uh, so, so, so a minor point, which makes it a funny story, I think. Um, so when I'd lent Jake this twenty quid, he promised me he'd give it back to me at the end of the day. So when I'm going to talk to Alex about getting paid for the night and getting travel expenses for picking Jake up, I said, "Listen, Jake, I lent Alex. Uh, listen, Alex, I lent." Jake, 20 quid, um, but he's not here to return it. Can you sort it out for me? And he was very gracious, and he did. Um, and then uh, I think maybe the following morning, I got another phone call from a pro who's running a show in Haven called Julio Torres, who was an American Brooklyn wrestler. Brooklyn The Brooklyn brawler. He spent a lot of time in England, um, but uh, was an American fella from New York, I believe. And he asked me to do the show because he knew I was local and Flatliner was on it. And incidentally, minor, minor sub-story. That was the first day I met Little Legs that day. Um, anyway, Jake the Snake was on this show. And he came up to me in the change room. Obviously, he was sober now. And the first thing he said to me was, I may even remembered. He came up to me and he said to me, Hey, brother, I haven't forgotten about that 20 pounds. So I said, thank you very much. And I took his 20 quid. So, <laughs> so I don't know who I owe money to, really. Maybe I have Alex to, well, well saying could, that, I'm sure Alex owes me a fair few quid in uh, petrol expenses. I was going to say, you could give that 20 quid to me and then I'd be a little bit closer towards breaking even on that day because I had to pay for that expensive cab back to South End. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll put it on an IOU. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> put it on the tab. Cool. So, um, so there you go. That was the mess. Steve Carino no-showed. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts graciously stepped in. Um, to then get so hammered, he had to go home. So um, I'm nice not... one, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> but, <he's... laughs> but then it's it's good that there is a happy ending to the story where he's yeah. Like in all seriousness, like people people they sort of laugh at his situation. Laugh my or did laugh? Do you know what I mean? Like it was well, a lot of sympathy. It wasn't, yeah, I there think wasn't like, a lot of sympathy for Jake. Yeah, I think it was like it was so crazy and so erratic that you had to laugh because it was just like. If you explain these situations to people, you wouldn't even believe it. Like, who would believe that former WWF superstar Jake the Snake Roberts, like being such a large one life character, as like he's a big man, right? Yeah, huge, and, yeah. and, and like, and you know, he was still like, you know, muscled up at the time. Not like he was still obviously, tall. yeah, yeah, yeah he was still a big dog, but yeah. like he was, you know, still an imposing presence. And seeing that, um, and and what a comedy character. He because he I guess he was you know like he was laughing joking like yeah, so, yeah. sure got nasty with some people but you know um, it was just a, a surreal situation and I think that's why people laughed more than anything I don't think it was uh, people laughing at his situation per se um, so so yeah that's but the it. point is he's you know, as far as we're aware he sorted himself out and yeah and, and he was certainly like I say like I got that pitch with him at Wrestlemania last year I went to his spoken word show which is actually a tremendous uh, tremendous show um, and, um, and I wanted to get a picture with him afterwards because of how different he was from my first experiences with him to now and um yeah, I just thought it was a nice a nice story. Chris yeah, Roberts nice. looked at me scathingly when I asked him for a picture, but whatever. Yeah. Not ask Chris Roberts for a picture. Jake, <laughs> Jake the Snake, obviously. Um, but yeah. And I guess that kind of goes back into what we, we've talked about time and time again about, you know, it's nice having these pictures and having the memories and not being afraid to, to have those pictures because each picture is a memory. And, you know, I think it's nice that it, some of the early stuff that I talk about, I can then go and delve into my wrestling box and I can find those pictures and it just 
adds a bit of 3D elements to, to those stories. And I think that it's uh, it's sad that there's such a big portion of, uh, of my career where I don't have those pictures because I was subscribed to that can't have your picture taken mentality. So what I'm saying basically is I'm glad I don't make, make those mistakes anymore. And I'm encouraging anyone who's listening to this to seize the moment. If there's an opportunity to have a picture, get it done. If you enjoy the podcast and you see us, just whip out a tenner. We'll happily take we'll, a picture we'll with you. We'll do it. We will so, do it. So, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, and uh, remember, we do take cash donations. We don't do Amazon wish, list, wish, wish lists. We've got into why. They create far too many all, problems. All kinds of problems. Um, so and if you don't have any cash to give us, just like the show. Review like it, it. Review it. Subscribe. subscribe. Tell a friend. That's yeah. all we want. Okay, we're spreading the good word. Um, and I guess that's all we've got time for this week. And now, there's a few more stories to tell on this subject. So I guess this is going to be a part one. Um, but we, no, we won't do part two next week. Part two will no, come uh, down the line. And, 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 and part two is going to be an interesting one because that's going to be where I can, I can shoot from a hip brother because uh, we'll be talking about some of the no-shows that I've had over the years since promoting wrestling shows um and you'll see that um there's a whole range of and I, I genuinely thought we were going to be able to skip from topic like not from topic to topic but through the generations and and hit all these um these stories about all these no shows i've got a list of them in front of some of them in front of me i'm sure by the time the next episode comes i'll think of some more and, and i touch wood that there won't be any more for me to tell you about which has happened um but um what's uh it'd be kind of uh, interesting to hear all those stories and you'll hear that some of them are um, you know genuine like injuries and some are just unbelievable excuses that you wouldn't even uh, even think about and some are just so wild the reasons why guys didn't turn up that you know it it sounds like I'm making it up or it sounds like a scene from a movie or something so um, all that to look forward to on a future episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us this week, guys. Please don't forget to um, follow me on Twitter. I'm nearly at 1,500. My, my followers have been rocketing up, actually. Well, I I'd like to think it's because of this podcast. All right. Well, I'd like to get to 2,000. So follow me instead. How many have you As got? well. <laughs> You're As something well. else, aren't you? As well. Um, I'm on, I'm on, on a, over 1,800, so I'm under 200 away from okay. 2,000. And I believe that I should be of a higher standing on Twitter than I'm at. You know, yeah. Well, maybe if I uh, made the shows Revolution Pro Wrestling shows about me, then how about uh, this is a, a suggestion I'll make to you on air, and it's not one I haven't mentioned to you for ten years. What about when? Uh, actually, I wouldn't benefit a great deal from this, but you know, like WWE do when they have the at their Twitter handles on there. You've got the the name graphics. Um, perhaps we could have some sort of uh, name graphic, you know, commentary provided by Andy at Simmons. Equals, then. Yeah. Yeah. Just more more eyes on the product and more know. more names on the ads. The, the more followers I get, Andy, the more f- viewers you will have. Well, if they're already viewing my product, then what's the point of having them follow you? Well, it's just added extra. Okay, well, yeah. we can we continue this debate off air. <laughs> yeah. But thank you very much for listening again. Um, at Boy Simmons, B O Y S I M M O N. That's the second plug you've had. No, it isn't. No- I did. I've not read out the at. Okay, at A Quilden, A Q U I L D A N. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>